If you look in the book of James, in the New Testament, we're given Elijah's faith as an example. Um, it says in, in verse 17 of chapter 5, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. He's given to us as an example of a man who got his prayers through, and God worked his will out through Elijah's praying. God used Elijah to pray, and God heard his prayers, God answered his prayers, and God worked through his prayers. And so we've talked about his faith, we've learned some lessons from his faith, and last time we learned about how he was the champion of faith. He, um, he won a mighty victory over the prophets of Baal, and... Um, and Ahab and Jezebel and, and their false worship. In chapter 19 of 1 Kings, we find that this man of faith, that James says is a man of like passions, he has similar emotions, uh, attitudes, and, and, um, and, and trials and infirmities as we have a man, a man much like us in many respects, except strong in faith. Um, we, we find an interesting an interesting period in his life when Jezebel finds out what Elijah has done. Verse 2, Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words... She's going to kill him. She's promising to kill him. And when he, Elijah, saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights into Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Why are you in this cave? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountain, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he repeats himself, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. 
And the Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu the son of Nimshai shall thou appoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Elijah was a man of like passions, as we are. And we've looked at the, the challenge of his faith, and the, the circumstances of his faith, and the champ, him being the champion of faith. But today I want to look at the comfort of faith. What happens when you're doing what's right, and things go wrong, and because of that, you face discouragement? Elijah is a hero. You look at Elijah's faith. You look at how Elijah trusted God. He trusted God enough to go to the king and say, It's not going to rain until I say so. And, and to tell the king that the king was wrong and the king had sinned. And then he went, and for three and a half years, he trusted God to take care of his daily needs. He trusted God for his food. He trusted God for his, his uh, water. He trusted God even even to raise a man to life during that time. And Elijah trusted God. Elijah was a true prophet. He was a hero of faith. He believed God. And then, not only that, but God miraculously confirmed Elijah's ministry when he, when Elijah offered the sacrifice, the prophets of Baal offered the sacrifice, and God answered Elijah's sacrifice by fire. And, and God miraculously confirmed Elijah's ministry. And so, you don't have a case here of Elijah blowing it, Elijah failing in his ministry, failing in his, in his faithfulness to God. But you still, in chapter 19, you have a very discouraged, a very disheartened prophet of God. In the New Testament, we're told Elijah's an example for our faith. I think he's not only an example of our faith, when he's standing before Ahab. Not only an example of faith when it's not raining for three and a half years because he said so, but he is an example for our faith when he is discouraged and disheartened and, and demoralized because he teaches us that God is still there even when we are at the end of our rope. F.B. Meyer said, Often we lie down on the desert sands like Elijah, and think that death is near. But it is not so. God does not judge us by our moods. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't judge us by our moods? He knows the faithful heart that is true to Him, and He wants to bestow the crown of life. Not the winding sheet of the desert sands, but the chariot of fire to the homeland was to be the portion of God's faithful prophet. God had a plan for Elijah, and, and Elijah thought, God's plan is for me to die here in the desert. There's no more usefulness for me. But God had a plan that went beyond that for Elijah. So, I want to look at, at the comfort of faith today. It's not going to be a comprehensive message. I'm not going to cover all, all of this subject. But I want us to zero in on Elijah, look at, at three things in Elijah's life. First of all, the causes of his depression. What caused Elijah to be discouraged at this moment in time? And then I want to look at God's ministry in the midst of his depression. God was with him while he was going through that. Not just afterwards, not just before, but God was with him during. And then number three, I want, I want you to see God's answer to his depression that came at the end. 
So the causes of his depression. Why was Elijah discouraged? Why was he depressed? Well, we don't have to wonder. God said, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here in the desert? Curled up wanting to die. Why are you here? And Elijah told him. Um, sometimes it just helps to tell stuff, doesn't it? It just helps to be able to say, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm struggling with. This is one of the reasons we come together to church. is so we can tell each other, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm struggling with. I need the Lord's help in this area. I need your help in this area. It's one of the reasons we come together. So God asked Elijah, why are you, why are you like this? Well, there were, there were four reasons he was like this. His circumstances, first of all. Elijah was running for his life. He was under pressure because Jezebel was after him. She said, I'm going to kill him. If I catch him, I'm going to kill him. And there have been a few times I've been in fear for my life. It, it changes your mood. It makes you depressed. Um, I, I remember one time when uh, MRSA was going around, this, this uh, sore you would get that there was no... no um, it was resistant to antibiotics, and it was very dangerous. Some people were dying from it and whatever, and there were a lot of people getting it for some reason. And I had a sore I didn't recognize, and I, and I thought, well, it must be MRSA, and I, and I thought I was on my way out. It turned out to be a wart, which is embarrassing, but a lot less dangerous. Um, so we, we sometimes go through these times when, when life seems very, very fragile, and, and it's a very discouraging time. His circumstances. You know, we can't choose our circumstances. Elijah had just won a great victory. He had just had an emotional high. Well, now he's on an emotional low. So that's one of the things that contributes to discouragement, depression in our lives, is circumstances. Another thing is loneliness. He said, God, I'm the only one left. They've killed all the other prophets. I am the only one serving the true God. No, he wasn't quite the only one. He knew he wasn't the only one because you read earlier in the story, he'd gone to Obadiah who worked for Ahab and Obadiah was a follower of God. Obadiah had hit several of the prophets and he said, Obadiah, I need to speak to Ahab. And Obadiah said, no way, I'm not taking you to him because you'll go there and disappear. But Obadiah was a follower of the true God. But right now, Elijah wasn't thinking about the other followers of God. He said, I'm the only one left. I'm the only prophet left. The only one who's here spreading your word. And, and they've killed all the rest. I'm the only one left and they're after me. Pretty hopeless situation I'm in here. And he was discouraged because of the circumstances, because of the loneliness. He was all alone there. Our circumstances, loneliness can discourage us. Not just, not just actual loneliness where we're literally the only one there. But sometimes we're the only one we, we don't feel like there's anyone to talk to or anyone to listen or anyone, anyone who understands what we're going through. And that's loneliness. And so that was one cause. And then, it's kind of implied here, but there was silence from God. Now, God did speak to him during this time. Um, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Arise and eat. So... God had given him enough of his word to sustain him. But God hadn't told him what was going on. He hadn't told him, Elijah, it's going to be okay. You can make it. God hadn't spoken to him. And Elijah was used to this relationship with God where God spoke to him and gave him his word. And, and Elijah now, 40 days, he ran away and, and nearly died there. And the angel of the Lord sustained him. But for 40 days, he's been listening for, he hasn't gotten a word from God. 
He went to the mountain of God to get a word from God. And, and he's waiting for God to speak to him. Not just to ask him questions, but to tell him what's going on. And then there, he was weary. He was physically weary. He, he'd been through this... this um, he'd, been along, he'd been relying on God to sustain him. I don't know how much... I, I don't know if... I'm, it sounds like it wasn't, it wasn't um, necessarily a great amount of food even then. But having been on the run and just having had what the angel had given him, now it says it sustained him for 40 days and nights, but I'm sure he was weary. And we see a couple times that he just fell down and, and slept, which is a symptom of weariness. It's also a symptom of depression. And so Elijah was facing physical issues, mental issues, spiritual issues, emotional issues that all combined. And Elijah was so depressed, he said, God, I just want to die here. Just let me die. And Elijah's a hero of man, a hero of faith. He's a man of like passions. That's what I want us to get to. He's a man of like passions as we are. But God used Elijah. Um, so, so the causes of his depression, his circumstances, his loneliness, his silence from God, his weariness. In Hebrews, we're told, God says to his children, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I want you to know when, when Elijah was going through this, God did not leave him for 40 days. God did not leave him from the time that, that the fire fell on his sacrifice till the time that God spoke through the still small voice. God had not disappeared. God was still with Elijah. We just don't... Elijah just didn't realize that God was, God was with him in that measure. So, what, how did God minister to him in the midst of depression? And by the way, these are ways... If you know someone going through a hard time or you're going through a hard time, these are, these are kind of practical things too. First of all, God gave him food. It says the angel came and touched him and said, Arise and eat. And there was a cake... And a cruise of water, or a bottle of water, and he did eat and drink and laid him down again. So God, God sent an angel to give him something to eat and something to drink. Gave him food. Gave him rest. After that, he went to sleep. I remember at Bible college, Brother Hayford, the president, said one time, of course, all of us, you're, you're 18, 19, 20 years old, and you think you can live without sleep, and you can't, and you just get crazy after a while. He said, one of the most spiritual things you can, some of you can do, is go to sleep. Some of them were already spiritual like that, but some of us needed that advice. One of the most spiritual things you can do is, is go to sleep, get some rest, get refreshed, get rejuvenated. God wants us to, God wants us to, to he built a day into the week so we can rest, and God wants us to, um, to take advantage of that. So God gave him food, he gave him rest, he gave him protection. Jezebel was after him, and yet Elijah slept down, or laid down and slept. And, uh, and and that had to either, he was just so ready to die, he didn't care, which is a possibility. Um, but still, God protected him while he was sleeping. Nobody came onto him, none of Jezebel's men found him, and, and he survived. He gave him protection. And then God did something that he wants every single one of us to do. He listened. He opened his ears and listened. He said, Elijah, why are you here? What, 
What are you what are you doing here? He asked him, I think, twice. God did not instantly restore Elijah to emotional equilibrium. From the time he said, I want to die, it was 40 days and 40 nights later, and God said, and then, then God spoke to him through the still small voice. So God did not deliver him instantly from that. Remember what James was talking about in chapter 5? He was talking about healing. He said, go and pray and pray for the sick. And Elijah was a man of like passions with us, and he fervently prayed, and it did not rain for three and a half years. But I want you to know, Elijah was not healed instantly himself, even though he was a man of great faith and great prayer. God let him go through 40 days and 40 nights. But God was with him during that time, during that trial. God's ministry in the midst of depression. God cared for him. God cared for him in his discouragement. And whatever you're going through today, I want you to know God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And he does not leave us. He does not always, he does not always restore us instantly. Whatever the trial you're going through, whether it's financial or physical or emotional or whatever it is, God does not always send the answer immediately. But God will care for us in the interim. And he cared for Elijah. He, he kept him alive. He kept him... Um, he, he, he gave him a, a sense, he even um, seemed to lead him to, to go to Mount Horeb where he would speak to him. So then Elijah escapes to a cave. And God comes to him in the cave, verse 15. I'm sorry, verse, verse 10, verse 9 really. He says, what doest thou here, Elijah? And Elijah tells him. And... Then he says, go forth and stand on the mount before the Lord. Elijah listened for a voice from God. And Elijah went and he watched. And, and there's a sense that Elijah is expecting something particular from God. Elijah had just seen a big miracle. In fact, Elijah had seen several miracles already in his ministry. And he's probably expecting a mighty manifestation from God here. And so he's standing on the mount and he's watching. And God... Or, and first of all, there is um, there's an earthquake. I'm sorry. Uh, um, no, a strong wind. A wind strong enough to break the rocks in the mountain. But God was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. God was not in the earthquake. And Elijah's looking at these things, these mighty manifestations. He's thinking, surely God must be there. Surely God must be there. And then there was... A fire. Elijah had just seen God in the fire. The fire had come down and, and consumed the sacrifice. But God was not in that fire. God was not speaking to him through that fire. So God God was showing Elijah. God God was... Well, I, I think... I think perhaps one thing God was showing Elijah is that... God knows our frame. He knows what we're ready for. He knew that at that moment, Elijah needed something different than an earthquake. Elijah needed something different than a fire, something different than a strong wind, a rushing wind. God came all those ways in Scripture. But in this case, God spoke to Elijah through a still, small voice. So that must have been an encouragement to Elijah first, that God was speaking to him, that God was speaking, and not just speaking to him, but speaking tenderly to him. 
And then he gave him an assignment. Remember why Elijah was running for his life? He was Israel's most wanted. He was on the run. Jezebel was after him to kill him. Jezebel and Ahab still had their their plan to, or their, their, their system of false worship in Israel. And he said, God, I'm the only one left who's standing for truth and standing for righteousness. And God said, this is what, you, what I want you to do, Elijah. Get up, get out of the cave, and I have a job for you. He said, I want you to anoint Hazel to be king of, of Syria and Jehu to be king of Israel. And they are going to come in and they are going to judge Ahab and they're going to judge Jezebel and they're going to tear down this system of false worship. And you think you're the only one left, but I have a plan to restore, uh, to restore Israel to worshiping the one true God. And then he said, not only that, I want you to anoint a prophet who's going to take your place after you're gone. Elijah had said, Lord, I just want to die. Just let me die. Elijah, God said, no, I still have a plan for you. And I have a plan for after you. But, you're, but I want you to go anoint that prophet, anoint those two kings, and that's your task right now. So God spoke to him through the still small voice. He assigned him to this job. And then he told him, he encouraged him. And by the way, Elijah, just in case, just in case that's not enough, that you have, you have that I've given you a purpose, that I've given you a, um, that, that I've, I've spoken to you, just in case that's not enough. By the way, there are 7,000 other followers of me who haven't bowed their knee to Baal, haven't kissed his face, who are still following the one true God. Elijah, you are not alone. You are not nearly as lonely as you think you are. He addressed his circumstances with a plan. He said, you got a job, and this job will take care of Ahab and Jezebel. He addressed his loneliness. I'm going to give you a prophet who you can mentor and who you can train and who will be with you. He addressed the silence. He spoke to him. He addressed his weariness. He sustained him that entire time. And God still had a plan to use Elijah. Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. He was a man much like us in many respects. But he trusted He trusted God. He was a man of faith. And God used him. Um, used him even though it seems like Elijah was very weak at this point. Just as we're very weak in many points. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul tells about coming to, coming to God and asking Him that He take away an infirmity that Paul had. We're never told what the infirmity is. And he said, I asked God three times, take this away. And finally, instead of saying yes, and I will take it away, God said, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul went on to say, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures and infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God delights to use weak things to do mighty works. Elijah was a man of like passions, and God can use men and women of like passions. As Elijah, he's got a plan for for you. He's got a plan for you tonight. I want to close with four truths that we see in this that I think will anchor us when we go through times of discouragement, times of disheartening circumstances. 
So four truths that will, will anchor us. First of all, the truth of God's sovereignty. God is in control. Jezebel was still queen, but Jehovah was still God. And Elijah outlasted Jezebel. Um, he didn't think he would. It didn't seem like he would. But God, God was in control that whole time when it seemed like everything was out of control. Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And God, God is working out circumstances. We have no idea what He's doing behind the scenes. So the truth of God's sovereignty. The truth of God's goodness is the second one. During Elijah's darkest time, God was still ministering to him. God was still feeding him. God was still protecting him. God was still caring for him. When he couldn't see that, God was upholding him. Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. All things work together for good. God is good. And then the third thing, the truth of God's purpose and your usefulness. If you're still alive, God has a purpose for you. And He's preserving your life for a reason. And I think of Job. Job went through a time as well where he was very discouraged, had reason to be discouraged. His circumstances were awful. But, and, and we have an advantage Job doesn't have, because Job couldn't read the book of Job and see how it ended. He couldn't read his biography before it was over. But in chapter 42 of Job, after 40 chapters of discouragement, 40 chapters of, of disheartening circumstances, we read this, The Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 ham, all these things he had after, after the trial, after the difficulty. God still had a plan for Job when it seemed like Job's life had completely fallen apart. And then the fourth truth, so God's sovereignty, God's goodness, God's purpose, and our usefulness. And then our limited perspective. All Elijah could see was the threat on his life. You know, we get tunnel vision. We do in life. We, we, we do all the time. We get tunnel vision. We only see a small part of reality. And Elijah couldn't see God's plan to judge Ahab and Jezebel. He couldn't see God's purpose for him. It's like that poem that talks about truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne, and that's how it seems in life. But there's a God in the shadows keeping watch uh, above his own. And he's, he's watching and he knows what's going on and he sees much more than we see. He sees the end from the beginning. He sees the future from the past. Second Kings chapter 6. This is Elisha, the one that Elijah mentored. His servant had tunnel vision one day and they were under siege. And, um, and he answered, he told his, his servant, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Sometimes we need God to open our eyes that we can see. And he opened his, Elisha's servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. There was an army that God had there protecting them that he had no idea was there. I believe it was William Cooper... <coughs> Christian songwriter and preacher who struggled very much with discouragement wrote the verse, Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are rich with mercy and will break with blessings on your head. And we're looking up, we see the clouds, we're ready for the storm, but God just wants to pour out His blessings on us. And um, He was taking Elijah through, 
He was ministering to him. Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. And yet, he was strong in faith. And God, God was with him through that entire time God was guiding him. Elijah, we don't see Elijah doing anything wrong during this time. Other than, well, he didn't do anything wrong. Elijah was just, uh, he, he was... He was discouraged. He was disheartened. But we see that God, God brought him all the way through that. God has a plan for his children. He has a plan for you tonight. He has a plan for me. And if we'll hold on to him, he will take us through. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your love. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. And we thank you for your care for us. I pray that you'll comfort each one of us, Lord. I pray that you'll help us in our hearts to know the comfort of faith. And, um, and not just suffering, Lord, but the fellowship of your suffering. We ask that you'll go with us this week. Keep us by your grace and under the blood. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.